All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Riggles Rag Podcast. Back again early for you. I know you guys love that. NFL Combine wrapped up. We gave you our thoughts in our latest podcast. Had Ken Johansson join us. So if you want to check that out, you can go on the site. Today, we have a little special arrangement planned for you guys. The free agency unofficially starts tomorrow at noon. Uh, it'll, be, it'll probably be today when you're listening. But it starts on March 11th at noon. That's when tampering is legal and teams can start talking with guys. So we want to get one more off-season mock going before the off-season officially starts. I have Jacob Kamaker here. Jacob, how are you doing? Uh, it's a Sunday I, again, as always. Yeah, I'm doing great. You know, I'm living the dream. Living the dream, man. Living the dream for sure. And um, hopefully the dream will get a little bit better based on uh, who Washington signs in free agency and drafts. And, you know, maybe they'll get a couple value deals. But so what we're going to do, we had this offseason mock, me and Jacob. And Jacob did the free agency portion. So re-signing players, cutting players to free up cap space, and then big ticket signings and free agency. And then I did the draft. I took the results of his free agency period, synthesized it into a seven-round draft. So we're going to talk a little bit about the results. So Jacob, I'll get right into it. Free agency, you're the general manager. What was your process? Yeah, so my process at first was I need to cut veterans that aren't going to be producing as much as they should or in smaller roles than their contract dictates. I targeted some guys on the team that I wanted to re-sign. Typically, these guys had cheaper deals because I don't think the Redskins have enough to uh, afford some of the bigger names on their team. Then I went out and targeted some bigger names on the free agent market and hopefully shored up the defense and added a little bit to the special teams and the receiving core. We'll get into that now. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to say I started doing this simulation right before the Case Keenum trade happened. So I had to quickly uh, change up on that. This simulation is assuming that Case Keenum is on the Redskins. That trade of late round picks and getting Keenum is there. So I originally was going to target Teddy Bridgewater in free agency, but that didn't end up happening, which ended up being a good thing because he was too expensive anyway. Exactly. Yeah, you also had Eric Weddle there, but you changed that, right? Yeah, Eric Weddle was in my original simulation. I ended up swapping out his contract for another player at a similar price tier. We'll get into that. Um, I'll start off with the cuts I made. Nothing earth-shattering here. I ended up keeping Josh Norman and um, Jordan Reed. Didn't elect to do anything with them. So like the cuts I made were Vernon Davis, Stacey McGee, Zach Brown, and Mason Foster. I did think about keeping Foster around just as a backup, especially with the issues surrounding Reuben Foster. But the fact of the matter is these guys are mostly overpaid for their skill sets at this point, and the team wouldn't be taking on a ton of dead money to cut any of these guys. And, you know, Davis is a backup tight end. This is a tight end rich draft. McGee is the sixth player on the defensive line. Yeah. They can, re- yeah, they can replace him easily. I he, mean, he they – Always had overpaid him in free agency when they signed him anyway. That was that was awful, man. Yeah, I mean, I had some hope that he might help against the run, but it just it never materialized. He's better than Terrell McLean. And then he got buried by Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, so it's like, he's not, why is he even there? And you have Tim Settle now, too, so it's like, why? <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, you got the three starters, including two guys you mentioned, Ioannidis, Settle, and then Caleb Brantley on the back end. That's five guys in front of him, so no point in keeping him around at that price. And then... 
For the linebackers, Zach Brown basically said the writing was on the wall. He was decent at times last year, but he can get lost in coverage. So I decided to part with him to free up some more money to uh, re-sign some of the other key contributors on our roster and have more cap space heading into free agency. So any any cuts there that you disagree with, or would you have cut any of the players that I didn't cut? No, I might, I might have tried to restructure Josh Norman, but I wouldn't cut him yet either. Um, maybe try and do something with Jordan Reed, but no, those those. Four Four cuts. Maybe I would keep Zach Brown. I don't know. Uh, in coverage, yeah, he, he's inconsistent, but he was, you know, he makes an impact on the field. So I, I would consider keeping him, but, you know, I can see reasoning for all those cuts. Um, who did you re-sign? Who did you bring back? Uh, so there are very few names on here that people are going to get very excited about. We'll start with the low-end guys who I just brought back on deals to be depth. I, I gave Josh Johnson a one-year deal worth about $1.5 million just Look, he provides depth at the quarterback position. I know we got Keenum and McCoy now, and they'll probably draft a passer, which we'll get into later. But Johnson is the fourth quarterback. If McCoy gets hurt or Keenum gets hurt or the rookie gets hurt or something, it's just good to have someone around who's familiar. So I kept him around for that reason. I also kept Jonathan Cooper two years, $2 million a year. So pretty much he was cheap. He's young. He's good depth for the interior line. And, you know, last year I thought when he had to start at left guard, considering that we had signed him off the street, he did pretty good. So I I definitely liked bringing him back. Good depth at the very least. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. I was like, you know, he knows the system. Left guard's an issue spot. If they can't get, like, a surefire upgrade, maybe he could start and hold the fort. So, Here, here's a here's an offensive lineman that's kind of interesting. A tie and Sicky. I agree with you re-signing him, but three years? I mean, he's already, like, 47. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he's quite 40 years old. <laughs> but, oh, God, how old is he? He's got to be at least 33 right now. 34. Let's find out. Yeah. He's 33, turns 34 in October. Okay. Um, I originally considered a two-year deal for him. Um, he turned that down in the simulation. Um, so I, I tacked on just an extra year. It's $4 million a year. And listen, he's one of the best backup tackles in the league. He can play left tackle. He can play guard. He can play some right tackle. And just the fact is, Trent Williams and Morgan Moses have been banged up in recent years. Jerron Christian may eventually overtake Inseki. But we don't know yet because Christian looked pretty bad during his rookie year. So I wanted to keep Inseki around. And the whole structure of this contract, which I can't get into in the simulation, would be that it's probably like a one- or two-year deal that has easy outs for the team. And it's basically a way of saying, like, hey, Ty, we know you might get more money to be a starter somewhere, but we want you to stay on and be our top backup and still get playing time. So that's why I opted to pay him as much as I did. You also re-signed Adrian Peterson. Yeah, that is something that I'm thinking is less and less likely at this point, um, the more time goes on, just because I think he might want to go somewhere where he can start, like the Chicago Bears have been rumored. I did see the Bears whispers, so, all right, executive decision right now, would you re-sign him or not? I'll give you a caveat. I would re-sign Adrian Peterson if the deal is worth $2 million a year or less. Anything more than that, you can easily replace backup running backs, because let's not fool ourselves. Peterson was solid last year in replacing Darius Geist. But you got Darius Geis to be the starter, and I don't see a world in which if Geis is healthy, Peterson's getting a lot of carries every game. And you want him there to be a mentor, I get that, but you can't sink significant money into a backup. Old, not very versatile, I agree with that for sure. So we got four re-signings. We let Preston Smith walk, I assume he was too much money. Uh, Yeah, Preston Smith was too much money. Uh, Crowder was also too much money. Clinton Dix, we could have possibly re-signed. 
We ended up going to the Raiders in the simulation for like eight and a half million dollars over four years, or eight and a half million dollars annually over four years. I wanted to see what happened if I let him go. I got you. All right. Well, hey, the loss of Clinton Dix uh, is not a bad thing at all because I can see right now in your free agent signings list, you have two safeties in there and uh, three other players on top of that. So uh, why don't you talk us through that? Yeah, so the more I look at the safety market and the more I'm thinking that the Redskins should really do their best, if they can, to sign two players from this market because it is loaded with talent, which might also like depress the value of other quality players on the market. I would go after two guys. The number one guy is obviously Landon Collins. Uh, the Redskins have been tied to him. He's 25. He played at Alabama. He's one of the best tackling safeties in the league. Yeah, I think he has 428 tackles in his first four seasons, which is just insanity. So I targeted him as my first big ticket item. Uh, I gave him a, a five-year deal worth $10 million annually, and that's definitely a slight overpay. fact of the matter is, because he's so young, this contract gets him to his age 30 season. And even though his market value is calculated somewhere between eight and a half and nine million, just giving him that little extra boost would probably convince him to come to Washington. Because I know before he was drafted, he landing in Washington was his dream. Yeah. If he got the perfect contract and a great situation, I think that would be enough to bring him to Washington. Yeah, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Are you concerned about? Because I know a lot of people have been saying you know, he's a good box safety. Coverage is kind of an issue for him. Uh, consistency and coverage and that's something that Washington's had an issue with too so is this just going to be the same thing or are you concerned not so concerned about that I'm not so concerned about that because Collins can cover it's not his strong suit but we've seen in the past that he's had success in that role um but with the Redskins his role is going to be more playing in the box anyway and making plays downhill that's his strength and you know he's had issues with coverage in the past but Every defensive back in the NFL at some point has issues in coverage. So I'm not too worried about that. The, the only thing that you have to do if you get Landon Collins is make sure you pair him with someone that is stronger in coverage. And that gets to the next safety that I ended up signing, and that's Trey Boston, who played last season for the Cardinals. He's been on three teams in the last three years which I don't understand at all because he's played very well. He's been a good tackler, and he's been very good in coverage. He's had 10 picks in the last three years and 27 pass defenses during his career. And, you know, he just generally shows good coverage instincts. He has good size, good speed, but he just keeps ending up being a forgotten man. So uh, I was able to ink him to a deal for three years, $5 million annually. And originally I was trying to give that deal to Eric Weddle, but he signed with the Rams, so... I figure investing that in Trey Boston, who's also still just 26, turns 27 in June. I think pairing him and Collins long-term, that might fix the Redskins' safety problem. That's good. That's good. I like that. And they kind of complement each other really well and uh, good value. Boston, I feel like I feel like he should be 30 whenever I hear his name because it seems like he's been around a while. But he's maybe because he switches teams so often, you think, oh, you know, he's got a lot of tread on his tires. But he, he's young. Good in coverage, so that's a good signing. That's not the only move you made on defense. You also addressed the linebacker position and the edge rusher position, it looks like. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the linebacker position a little more because this is a, a starter signing. Um, so by cutting Brown and Mason Foster, that leaves kind of a hole next to Reuben Foster, and that's considering if Reuben Foster isn't suspended because if Reuben Foster is suspended, then you're in big trouble. So I know I know we like Sean Dion Hamilton, you and me both, and Josh Harvey Clemens is a good role player too. 
but I wanted to invest in a, a true three-down linebacker who could help out the team and uh, just make sure that they have enough talent there. So I went with Jordan Hicks uh, from the Eagles. I got him on a three-year deal, about $8 million a year. I know he struggled with injuries at times, and that's why he came at a little bit of a discount. But when he's on the field, man, he is good in all facets. He makes tackles. He's good in coverage. And just imagining him playing next to Reuben Foster long-term with Sean Dion Hamilton and um, Harvey Clemens playing in reserve roles, it, it's a scary linebacker group. And it really strengthens the middle of our defense, which is kind of my goal in free agency because that was a stronger portion according to what I've seen. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. Fill the need. And you got depth at this position, so, you know. And if Reuben Foster doesn't work out, you know, you got Hicks and Deion Hamilton, which is still a good duo, in my opinion. Um, two more signings, uh, one wide receiver, one edge rusher. You want to cover those real quick? Yeah, the edge was just a uh, short prove-it deal. Jeremiah Atauchu, I uh, gave him a one-year deal, $1.5 million. He He's shown some pass rushing talent in the past. He's had trouble staying healthy. He was on the Jets last year, played 11 games, had two sacks. But yet, a few years ago, he had six sacks. So, figured, not big cap hit, so why not go after him? And then, I added Cordero Patterson, who I like. I, I mean, I'm from New England, so I like the Patriots a little bit. And uh, Cordero Patterson's just so versatile. He would help in the kick return game. He was only $3 million a year for two years. Um and I figured, worst-case scenario, he's a top backup at receiver who can play all the positions. And best case, he's one of the best returners in the league. So um, that filled kind of a role that we'll need to have filled if Jameson Crowder leaves, or even if he stays because he's been known to drop some punts. So yeah. that's that's pretty much what I did in free agency was address two safety spots, linebacker, and then added depth at edge and receiver. But uh, – I think it's a pretty solid haul, and uh, if we pair it with the draft that you had, I think it ends up being a pretty solid, uh, solid off season. That's flattering, man. I like that. I like that. So let's let's transition here because uh, Jacob got the free agent portion done. I did the draft, and so going into the draft, we had a biggest needs list. Uh, no real order, but uh, you know, you still need a quarter. Got to add a quarterback, a young quarterback, and a rookie deal. You got to add a starting edge rusher opposite Ryan Kerrigan with Preston Smith gone. You got to add a left guard, even with Jonathan Cooper coming back. There's no guarantee he can fill that role. Got to add a wide receiver, Cordell Patterson. There's no guarantee he works out. You still need some dynamic talent. You still need some depth there. And then a backup tight end with Vernon Davis gone. So round one, uh, I got right into it. Uh, simmed it. I used the, I I used fan speak. I usually. Uh, I don't really. I'm not really partial to any of the draft boards. I usually just pick the one that's been updated most recently, which I think was the CBS one in this example. So um, you know, whatever draft board you use, there's always going to be different combos of who's there and who's not. So in this particular mock, uh, I was at number 15, and I had guys like T.J. Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, Devin White, Montez Sweat, Juwan Taylor, T.J. I, I wrote T.J. Hawkinson twice. Um, yeah, you must like TJ then, <laughs> dude. I really like TJ. No, but he, I, as much as I like TJ, I wrote him twice. He was not my pick. Um, my pick was Brian Burns, edge rusher out of Florida State. This guy, guys, I'll give you a disclaimer right now. Uh, you might hear about him a little bit this off season. Uh, yeah, I scouted him. I scouted a few other edge rushers, and this guy, if um, if he's there at fifteen, he's my pick. You know, that it's as simple as that for me. He's got everything that I want in an edge rusher. 
you know, the, the strength, the fun, the functional strength can be a little more consistent on tape at times, but he's got, he's got the bend. He's got the agility. He's got the length to get, to keep his hands clean. He's got uh, the lateral quickness uh, and the, the technique prowess, really, really precise with his technique and really advanced with uh, his pass rushing moves. So really just, I think an immediate starter with Pro Bowl All Pro potential is Brian Burns, and I'm I'm very high on him. Though I know Jacob isn't as high. Are you okay with that pick, though? Yeah, I'd be okay with it. I mean, of the guys you listed that were on the board, I would still probably pick Montez Sweat over Burns, but I prefer Sweat just because I think he's he's more well rounded in my book. I saw some issues with Burns just in terms of um, run defense on tape, um, and it could have been that I ended up watching bad film of him just against the run, but. He has the athletic upside. He quote concerns about his weight. We need an edge in this simulation. So I'm fine with that pick. Um, I I would have gone sweat, but I can understand why you would want Burns and why you'd bang the table for him. Yeah, so. exactly. Like to me, you know, he's just the complete package. And I really like, he's such an easy mover at edge rusher. You know, some other guys might have a little more stiffness in their hips. And, but they, they might not be stiff, but Brian Burns to me is just, when I whenever I watch him, he's just, so such an easy mover so that was an easy pick for me you get burns opposite kerrigan man that's gonna be fun to watch uh no guarantee that it happens though he could be gone there but if he's there uh, there's a really good chance to take him um round two i got a little lucky a guy who i would consider round one dropped to my pick uh offensive lineman garrett bradbury out of nc state this is one of my i have a big okay it's not really a big three Uh, it's more of a big two i'm still trying to find the third guy but in the first round, Burns and Bradbury are my top two options. So for Bradbury to fall, which I think there's not a there's a kind of a lack of consensus of the rankings of the interior linemen in this draft. So he certainly could fall. Um, I don't think he will, but he could, and he did in this one. And he's just he's an, a very athletic interior lineman um, who's got functional strength as well, um, technical prowess. You know, really good hand movement. Um, he tested very well at the combine. I know some of the agility metrics that uh, scouts use to kind of, uh, kind of determine how an offensive lineman might progress. He was at the top in some of those, like the ten yard split, uh, the three cone drill. So, uh, very agile, athletic guy with some upside that I decided to take there. Um, so day one and two, well, actually no, still round three. So I'll I'll do the rest of day two and then we'll kind of recap. Round three, number one selection I took, wide receiver out of Ohio State, Terry McLaurin. Uh, This is a guy who is a little small, but he's a great route runner, really, really nuanced with his technique, and he's a high-character guy. He did everything for Ohio State. You know, he was a gunner. He was a a special teamer, you know, but he was the top target on offense, too, got open, and uh, he was a leader for his team. So I I think he's a very solid pick for a – Redskins receiving core that is kind of uncertain, needs a little bit of settling to do. So that was an easy pick for me, uh, especially when there weren't a lot. Of, there, Hakeem Butler was available at that pick, but I was just like, I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. You know, someone's going to take him for his upside in round one or two. So uh, I did not go there. I took McLaurin. And then uh, the second pick, compensor- compensatory pick that we got for Kirk Cousins. Uh, coincidentally, I picked a quarterback there. I got Brett Rippian out of Boise State. I'm really high on this guy. Um, he's in my top five quarterbacks, and uh, I think he could be a starter down the line in the right situation. Um, he can put zip on the ball. Uh, the big knock on him is his arm strength, but he's got very good mechanics as a thrower, uh, pretty poised in the pocket, and he 
you know, mentally he's farther along than most of the quarterbacks in this class. So I, I like that pick. Uh, get ripping in a room with Colt McCoy, Josh Johnson, and Case Keenum. And, you know, I think good things could happen. So what do you think of uh, that batch of selections, Jacob? I love the Bradbury pick. I, I don't know if he's going to be on the board there, but that would fill such a huge yeah. need because he could play guard or center. For I, was, I was so excited. Yeah, in this simulation, I think Bradbury would be the starting left guard, keep Chase at center, and then have Jonathan Cooper's depth. But that fixes two issues on your offensive line right away with starting left guard and depth. So I, I was blown away. Again, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he'll be there. But if he's there, you, you have to take him, kind of. Yeah, and if he's not, there's a similar player to him, uh, like Eric McCoy might be available. He's yeah. not quite as dominant as Bradbury, but he's, he's a, a good mover. I really and like him, too. Yep. I'm a big fan of the Rippin' pick, too. Um, I, he reminds me a lot of Colt McCoy. So grabbing him in that third round and seeing if he can develop into a starter at the next level, it's going to be good. Um, he has great accuracy. It's just a matter of whether or not he has a high enough ceiling to be a starter. But worst case scenario, he's a good backup, and like you said, putting him in the room with all that vet, all those veterans, really good move. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not as good with player comps. I, I I'm, it's not that I try to stay away from them. It's just that I don't know. That's not really a part of my evaluation. But um, I I can compare his potential situation to that at Kirk Cousins, where he's a guy who could kind of with a few years in the right situation kind of emerge into a starting role as a mid-tier guy, a guy who can win you some games, who can provide quality play there. So that that's just, yeah, I liked that pick too. Um, I was pretty happy to see him there. Jarrett Stidham was also there, but I'm not as high on Stidham at all. Yeah, you, you and I are both are not big Stidham fans. Yeah, I, I don't see what the hype is all about there. But um, enough about who we didn't pick. Let's go into day three. Um, obviously no fourth-round pick. And I didn't do any trading or anything. I didn't do any of that. I just kind of stayed put. I got nine picks, four picks in the first two days. So I'm staying put. I'm using these assets to the best of my ability. And uh, so in round five, we've got two more picks. Uh, this is a pick that, Nathan, you would like if you're listening. LSU tight end Foster Moreau. This guy is a mauler as a blocker, and he's got he tested pretty well at the combine too. So I, you know, maybe a little a lack of polish could move him to round five. I'm not sure he's there, but you never know what's going to happen on days two and three. You know, we, there's guys who we think will be gone in round two that end up being gone in round six or whatever. You're like, wow, how did he drop? Like I know Tim Settle was getting some round two hype last year, and he fell to round five. So um, I think I think. Um, Moreau definitely fills a need. He cut Vernon Davis. I think Moreau easily slides into that number two tight end slot, and we're probably the first team in NFL history to have two Moreaus on the same roster. So that that's kind of something good. To, that's kind of a good thing too. Um, my second fifth round selection, Jimmy Moreland. This is a corner. Um, I, I I would not rule out picking a corner earlier just because Josh Norman, his situation is so volatile, and you know starting corners that's. One of the most important positions in the NFL nowadays uh, to stop the passing attacks that are really kind of gearing up to succeed. Um, Moreland is a guy who's got great ball skills, very aggressive guy, uh, and an easy mover. That's a consistent theme from my picks. I love guys who aren't really clunky, guys who can really accelerate quickly, move quickly side side to side. I think, um, and I think Moreland does that. I really like him. Good ball skills. Really good late-round pick. A little small, which I think will kind of knock his stock down, but solid guy, I think, who can kind of emerge early like Greg Stroman did last year. Um, round six, since I didn't get, like, a game-changing receiver, I got Terry McLaurin. 
Uh, round six, I decided to take another receiver, Stanley Morgan Jr. out of Nebraska. Uh, this is a guy, 6'1", 220, broke, broke 1,000 yards in his senior season. Uh, he's not a great prospect. He, he tested above average athletically at the Combine. Um, I, there was a guy I was reading yesterday um, who compared him to Deshaun Hamilton out of last year's draft. Kind of a, a reliable route runner who you can move around. He's never going to be that dynamic Okay, I shouldn't say that. He's never going to be the transcendent talent, you know, like the all-pro guy. But he's a guy who can fill multiple roles. He can be the Z receiver. You can move him to the slot. So I really like Stanley Morgan Jr. there. And with the depth that they need at receiver, you know, a lot of uncertainty there. I felt like that was a good pick. And, you know, you never know. Maybe he could emerge. You know, it's happened to guys in the sixth round before. Uh, case in point, Antonio Brown. So um, you never know. You can find gems there. I think Stanley Morgan's a really a high-floor guy. Um, with some upside. So, and then round seven, my first pick in round seven, Albert Huggins out of Clemson. Stacy McGee, McGee was cut, and um, part of me didn't want to pick a defensive tackle because we're kind of set there. But with Stacy McGee cut, I just decided, you know, hey, it's round seven, take a flyer on a guy who might be a really good run defender in certain situations. I think Huggins, he's big, gnarly. He's the guy who would fill that role. Um, and maybe you know, if things don't work out with Caleb Brantley, who's kind of their project in the in the back right now, then uh, they could slide Huggins in there along with Settle and have a pretty deep unit. And then my final pick of the 2019 NFL Draft, Iosua Opeta. I forgot what school he went to, but he was a combine riser. I think he was first place overall among offensive linemen with bench reps, and he also tested pretty well athletically. So uh, he's not getting a lot of hype, so he's pretty raw. Um, going to need some development, but he's got the physical traits to me to warrant a pick there could be some solid depth for a team that really needs interior depth so that's my draft going back positional breakdown got an edge rusher in round one get your starting left guard in round two round three you get a wide receiver and a quarterback guys who could develop into solid contributors round five you get a backup tight end you get a backup corner round six you get another receiver you know just to enter the mix and then around seven get some depth guys on each trench a line that i think could be pretty good uh, additions later on so what do you think Jacob? i think you did a great job i mean that that day three is fantastic the i really love the seventh round picks huggins was overshadowed by a lot of nfl talent at clemson yeah. uh, he could emerge as a uh rotational dude at the nfl level i mean he had seven and a half sacks in his last three seasons combined but that was really playing as a rotational guy so you know there's some upside there i like i also had who went to weber state by the way there we go uh, that's what it was yeah I did have to look that up. For <laughs> so I don't blame you. I loved what I saw out of him at the Combine. He was a good mover. And, you know, Foster Moreau and Stanley Morgan Jr. both have upside as backup players on the offense. So I think overall you filled the, the two major needs that we had heading into the draft. And that was, I felt it was edge and left guard. You added quarterback and then you got some uh, skill position depth, which is something we sorely needed. So I think if you look at the Redskins as a whole after this, they're definitely a better and more complete team. Exactly. What would you say their biggest strength is at this point? Ah, oh, man. If I had to pick one strength-wise, it would still be the defensive line. I think the swapping Huggins for McGee actually might be an upgrade. So I'd say I'd say that's probably their biggest strength. Uh, what do you think? I think, I mean, dude, I'm just, I mean, there's no guarantee it's going to happen like this, but can you picture... To me, because I, I, Brian Burns is the top five player on my board, so I'm geeking out right now. Like Ryan Kerrigan, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen, 
Brian Burns, like, oh my God, dude, I would be, I would be completely head over heels for that. So I think the defensive line is still the strength of this team. And that's a very good strength to have a weakness. I don't know about you, Jacob, but I would still put quarterback there. Um, ultimately, I don't think there's a lot of game breakers there on the roster. I think Case Keenum is kind of just a guy, Colt McCoy, just a guy, Josh Johnson, uh, just a guy who was recently drafted by the AAF. So you know, a lot of uncertainty there. And I, there's no guarantee that Ripien takes this opportunity and runs with it, you know. So there's no guarantee there. And at the most important position, uh, to kind of still have that uncertainty there is something that I, I'm not really a fan of. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I think if I had to pick a weakness on the team, uh, wide receiver would probably be my choice because um, though I don't think Ripien or um, McCoy or Keenum is going to be the long-term answer quarterback, I think they can win us some games, especially if Keenum... Keenum might be a better fit in Jay Gruden's offense, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, re- receiver, as much as I like Terry McLaurin. Um, it's so weak. And yeah, it's just it's weak. Even Cordero Patterson, who I added, I'm like, I'm only excited about him as a return man. So you're still coming into the year. You lose Jamison Crowder, and you don't really replace him. McLaurin, again, could end up becoming a dude who starts, but you're still relying on Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson, which doesn't seem to be a uh, good idea. So I'd say quarterback is a weakness, but my my choice would be receiver. So either way you look at it, our offense would be a little on the weaker side. Hey, they got Trey Quinn. So, can't forget about that. <laughs> I knew you threw that in. Samaja <laughs> Piran, too. <laughs> exactly. Samaja Piran, Trey Quinn. There's your playmakers right there, guys. All right. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, let us know what you thought about this offseason mock. And don't worry. You won't have to You won't have to watch us pretend what's going to happen for any longer. Because tomorrow, or it's going to be today, when you're listening, March 11th, free agency officially will unofficially begins. And then the draft is not far after that. So, Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Peace out. Have a good night.